Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nonsense and Noise, a podcast about the queer person of color, pop culture, and media experience. I am your host, Nathan Cotto, and it is a rainy May 20th, and um, some of you may be asking, why are you doing another episode so late in the month? Again, um, especially since like I, I had my topic for this month, basically like the second week of May, basically. Um, and uh, the answer is, I um, <laughs> have been playing a lot of Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I like that's pretty much all I've been doing. Like I, I kind of knew like that. I I saw this movie um, that like I I got the idea for the topic for this month, like, the week before Tears of the Kingdom came out, and I was just like, I need to, like, record this episode before Tears of the Kingdom comes out, otherwise my entire life will just be shot, and I will only be playing Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and then I didn't do that. So, um, I'm now reaping the benefits of my decision, um, and by benefits I really just mean the negatives, and I am, uh, recording uh, now, and I have to actually, like, make sure I make time for myself to actually, like, do the editing and stuff for the podcast, um, when really I want to be playing Tears of the Kingdom, so, uh, really just shot myself in the foot, um, very gently, um, so we're doing great, but that's, that's really mainly what I've been up to, um, and, yeah, I, this is gonna be a shorter, probably, episode, because, like, I don't really have too much up on the top, I, like, was looking through what's coming out this month in terms of like video games and and movies and media and stuff and like there wasn't too much that really caught my eye especially on the video game end which was kind of weird um but you know that's neither here nor there so yeah i i'm gonna just start with the video games obviously the the big thing that dropped this month was legend of zelda tears of the kingdom um I've been having a blast playing it. It is just so, like, expansive and, like, so much better than Breath of the Wild. Like, I feel like Breath of the Wild definitely was, like, I was running around and exploring things, but, like, with all the different mechanics that they added in, in Tears of the Kingdom, specifically with, like, Fuse, um, it just actually, like, it opens up so much more possibility to um, explore and have whatever, like, weapons you want on hand. Um, and it's just, it's just so fun. I, like, easily lost, like, like I said, basically two whole weeks playing this game. Just, uh, well, I guess not even two weeks. It's only been out for a week. But, like, basically from last Saturday or, like, from release day onwards, like, this is all I've been doing. I have not touched a single other video game in this period of time. Um, so that is, like, the number one game for the month slash like the rest of you know however however long is tears of the kingdom um and that came out on may 12th um in case you haven't picked it up highly recommend it for those of you who may be worried about oh is it just breath of the wild 2 it kind of is but like i personally feel like it's um it's way better than breath of the wild like i i enjoyed breath of the wild don't get me wrong but like this is like a step above like there's so much more to explore um like i don't know how much time i have on the game but like it's a lot i have several like many 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 hours in this game and i have not really progressed the plot too much i'm just running around i'm exploring the world um yeah it's it's huge expansive very immersive, really love it. Um, so yeah, that's like the main video game 
for the month. Um, I will also mention, just because, like, this is something that my friend group is talking about, but, like, there are go- there are changes ahead, um, and this is more, like, pop or news now, like, video game-wise, um, but, like, the Overwatch 2 team at Blizzard, um, released like this sort of roadmap for the future and they're basically changing a lot of how they're doing their previously proposed campaign modes or the pve modes and um people are not super thrilled with what they're doing basically before um overwatch was going to do like a uh, a really heavily like skill tree thing for like their pve modes and um they released an announcement or like polygon did an article or an interview with them and they were like um actually Actually, that's not going to happen anymore. We're still going to do PVE things, but it's like not as in depth or expansive as we w- were going to do before because we want to like focus all of our support on the PvP mode or the live service or like you know the main game, um, th- what people know Overwatch to be. And so a lot of people were really hanging out or like hanging on for Overwatch 2's story mode. Um, so this has dealt a really really big blow to. Um, the player base, I think Overwatch was already bleeding a lot of players before because of just how they decided to handle the game. I, oh my god, I could, like, talk about Overwatch for, uh, like, a bazillion years because, like, this is actually such an important game to me, but, um, I, I will, maybe I'll make another episode about that, but, um, yeah, like, there, there are a lot of people who are just going to be, like, leaving the player base and, like, Overwatch 2, I think, is probably gonna just, like, start to die even faster than it was before, so... Um, yeah, that's that's sort of notable video video game news. Um, I think I'll I'll make an Overwatch two episode or just like an Overwatch in general episode because, um, it like I said, it's an important game to me just because it's how I met a lot of good friends that I've made. Um, so that's video games in terms of movies slash visual media. Um, I other than the movie that I'm reviewing today, which is called Polite Society. Um, which actually might not have a re- wide release for a longer period of time, because um, it was released in January, but that was at Sundance, so like nobody sees it. And then it was released at the end of April in the UK. Um, I don't know when this is being released in the US. Um, oh, it was released in the US also on April 28th, so end of April. Um, but like looking at the movies that are coming out this month there's nothing that really caught my eye well i guess there's the little mermaid but like i don't know that's just a little mermaid it's not something that i think is necessarily worth seeing i mean like i'm glad that halle bailey has an important role and like that uh little black girls are going to be able to see themselves in such an important character and stuff um but otherwise it's just like I don't know, it's just a little mermaid, nothing too important, or like ground shaking, or earth earth shaking, ground breaking, so um, the only piece of visual media that I was able to find is called Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai, and it's a TV series, which is a first um, in terms of like media to look out for here, um, that comes out on May 23rd, um, and it's going to be aired on Cartoon Network as well as on Max, or um, formerly known as HBO Max. I don't know why they decided to drop the HBO. Um, and it is a TV series that serves as more of a prequel to the Gremlins movie. Um, the main reason why I'm highlighting this is because it was developed by Zi uh, Chun, um, who is a Chinese-American um, TV writer, um, 
Zichan also heads up TKO, which is a an independent comic book company. Um, I bought something from TKO for a friend for Christmas. Um, it's a vampire story called Black Sabbath. Um, and like my friend and I were talking about it and they really, really liked it. And so, I mean, it's cool that Z has done this because obviously like independent comic publishers are really important because, um, as I mentioned before, a lot of the mainstream publishers, like those have ideas that are vetted and like approved by white people. And especially as we're seeing with the like creative industries, like a lot of these mainstream companies are headed up by people who are just like business people and they make business decisions. They don't make creative decisions. They, they're they really concerned with, will this make me money or not? And so they're less willing to take risks on new ideas, new and innovative ideas. So um, that's the reason why I'm highlighting um, Secrets of the Mogwai, because it was developed by um, a person of color, by a Z, who's, like I said, he's Chinese American and um, like he has the final say in everything. So um, this is, a, like I said, a prequel to the Gremlins movie. It follows Sam Wing as he meets and helps Gizmo the Gremlin in um, in China um, and explores some Chinese mythology and stuff um, and, like, mythical creatures. So uh, that is Gremlins Secret of the Mo- Secrets of the Mogwai coming out on May 23rd on Netflix, or not Netflix, on HBO Max slash Max and Cartoon Network. Um, and yeah, that, like I said, this is like a shorter top of the episode because I don't have too much in terms of upcoming media. So I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll get into the main content. All right. And we are back from the break. So this month, um, I will be talking about the movie called, uh, Polite Society. Um, as I mentioned in the uh, pop culture sort of roundup part of the podcast, this movie came out at the end of April, on April 28th. Um, so it's, I think it's probably still out in theaters. If you can see it, you should definitely go see it. Highly recommend. Um, but just a high level synopsis first, and then we'll get into like my review and like thoughts about it. Um, so this is a movie about two uh, British-Pakistani sisters, um, Ria and Lena Khan. Ria Khan is played by Priya Kansara, and her older sister, uh, Lena Khan, is played by Ritu Arya. Um, and uh, actually, interesting fact, Priya Kansara is also in Bridgerton. I did not look up which role she's in, but she is in that show. Um, but so Ria... Um, is a British-Pakistani teenager who dreams of being a stunt woman, and she's very close to her sister, Lena. Um, Lena actually was an art school student, and she dropped out, and she's trying to figure out what she's trying to do with her life. Um, so that's sort of the premise, and um, over the course of the story, uh, her family is in, uh, Ria and Lena's family is are invited to an Eid celebration um, at the house of one of their mom's friends named Rahila, uh, who is played by um, Nimra Bucha. And Rahila introduces Lena to her son, Salim, who is played by Akshay Khanna. And um, it's sort of like a, a party for Salim to meet um, people who his his mom wants him to 
you know set him up with and this is like um the cultural sort of element of like arranged marriages um so um yeah uh, uh salim and lena meet and they hit it off um lena really likes salim and so like it's probably i think they like go on dates for like a month and then they announce that they're getting married um and ria is very 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 opposed to this idea of them getting married um because she views it as like her sister giving up on her uh dreams of being an artist and therefore does everything that she can to stop the wedding from from going through um that's all i'm going to leave it as and i'm not going to give any like further spoilers um because like the big sort of like twist in the movie i mean not twist per se but i think it's hinted at in trailers a little bit but like i don't want to give away like the main punchline of the movie so that is like a high level synopsis of the movie um and as far as like the messages and everything go um it's there are several and i will get into them but first i just wanted to say like this movie was so good so fun um if you liked everything everywhere all at once uh this is sort of the same had the same vibes as it where like sure it's kind of like this weird little movie where like um like ria is very into kung fu and like um martial arts and being a stunt woman um like she has her own youtube channel named kan fu um which is just silly because she takes karate um instead of kung fu um so or at least i'm pretty sure it's karate they looked like that in the movie but um either way like this movie was just really fun um and i this is also another case of like it's very similar to everything everywhere because like they do explicitly state the main message of the movie which i will also mention um like very explicitly and then um you're able to sort of like take that message and really think about okay like let me think about all like the context and everything like what all these what everything means um and like actually sit down and like analyze the movie um not like sit down and like spend your time separately doing that but like you're able to do that as you're watching the movie like once you get that message you're like hmm okay what does this mean like what does everything before all of this mean and like what does it you know um so because of that i i thought it was really fun that's also because like i guess i um for the most part when i'm out seeing movies and stuff like i i really like to like think and talk about the movies a lot that i see um you know that's why i made this podcast um and so as a result like you know that's sort of what i'm doing with my brain all the time during movies um like i don't think i really turn my brain off during movies too much unless like it's something just very silly very like loose and vapid and whatever um and but otherwise like i'm you know taking everything in and trying to think about like what is this story trying to share right because like the main the main part of um the main reason why we tell stories is like to share like an experience or a feeling right and so um i'm always i'm always trying to think about that um but yeah so like the messages in polite society um so there are several a lot of this movie is very focused on like family dynamics and like how growing up affects people especially like given their interactions with their siblings and and society and everything so like the number one message is um to think about that like frames this whole movie is like 
um, the whole idea that for parents, their legacy is left in the world through their children, right? And so um, there's a lot of, like, I think especially with immigrant families or just generally, like, families who are non-white, there's a lot of, like, you know, I gave up XYZ thing, I moved to the United States, or, you know, like, basically, you know, there's the whole thing of, like, I have sacrificed so much to get here and to bring you to be here, and so, like, you should be happy. And then um, on the sort of other side that we don't think of, it's like, because our parents have sacrificed so much to be here, like, um, what if they could, like, do it again and, like, not have to sacrifice and sort of, like, actually experience the fruits of their labor and experience the sort of better world that they've, like, made for their children themselves. Um, so that's the sort of, like, framing here of just, like, um, leaving a legacy through your children and, like, never be the, like, I guess the sort of sadness of not able being able to, like, experience that. Not necessarily sadness, but, like, more, like, envy and jealousy of, like, I did all of this so that way you could have a better life and now I don't get to experience that better life. Um, which, I mean, if you think about it a little bit more, um, parents are able to experience that sort of better life for themselves too. Um, like I know with my parents, like they have significantly mellowed out since when I was a kid. Um, and I think they ha- are, you know, they are reaping the benefits of, um, you know, spending time in the world and, and things are, I think, you know, better a little bit than than when they were younger um but you know that's neither here nor there so um that's the sort of like parent side of this like i said this is all very like family dynamics focused so um as i mentioned before there are two sisters there's ria who's the younger sister and lena who's the older sister and so there's a lot of commentary of like sort of family roles and like experiences that are communicated through each of the sisters so like with lena who i sort of resonate the most with because i'm the oldest sibling um i have a i just have a younger sister um but i'm the oldest sibling in the family and so like there are really big points of like um the fear of not measuring up to excellence and like not being good enough um as well as wanting recognition and validation so in terms of like measuring up to excellence and everything there's this like really really climactic part of the movie where um ria and lena fight and because ria ria really does um really believes in lena um and really wants her to be an artist because she's you know she's just like this is your dream you went you wanted to go to school for it you're taking a break you're trying to find yourself like I believe in you. I want you to be able to do this. And like, there's this moment where Lena shouts at Rhea and she's just like, I dropped out because I'm not good enough. Um, and I feel like that is every, I mean, you know, that's a fear that people have regardless of, um, you know, whether you're the oldest sibling, the youngest sibling, middle child, or like even an only child, you know, fear of failure. I think that's something that everybody has, but I think especially for like immigrant families with like, um, or like I said, non-white families, like the first child, like unfairly has that expectation of like, you have to be the best and like, you have to achieve, um, really sort of like unspokenly forced upon them. And so, you know, most of the time I think oldest children really, really do their best to strive to like meet that standard, whether that is like 
because they want to or because they feel that they have to. Um, but then, like, when confronted with, like, failure sometimes or, like, with, like, I'm not meeting people's expectations, it can be, like, really devastating um, because, like, I feel like the stereotype for oldest children is, like, you're the golden child, you you are perfect and whatever. So um, I really resonated with that. Um, and it was, it was really... Um, I mean, her, like, um, Ritu's, like, delivery of, like, because I'm not good enough, like, there, I said it, um, it, it was really just, like, a big moment in the movie for me, so, um, that was, yeah, that was, like, a really big, like, driving that message home of just, like, as an oldest, as an older sibling, um, like, this is that pressure that you have, and, like, it's not something that you ever want to admit, especially if it happens to you, so, um, that was something interesting that I noted, and then, like I said, the other, uh, other piece of this was wanting recognition and invalidation, um, and I think, I know at least for me, like, I sort of communicated this to my parents when I was, like, sort of later in high school and like getting into college and stuff like my parents then made a point to tell me like we are proud of you and like your accomplishments um but like for the most part i feel like with oldest children we don't really get a ton of like recognition and validation it's a lot of just like you like you know because there's that whole you know tied into what i mentioned before there's the pressure of living up to these standards and like meeting expectations and when we do, most of the time it's just, like, either, like, no recognition or, like, you know, I remember very stereotypical, like, experience, like, especially for, like, people of color, um, where, like, I brought my, like, I brought a test home in, like, the sixth grade, my science test, and I think I was the top scorer in the class with, like, a 98 or 99 or something. And I explicitly remember my parents... Like, being like, why didn't you get a 100? Like, and I think now I can understand, like, what, like, it's not the, like, aggressive, like, what happened? Why did you fail? As much as just, like, okay, like, so there's something that you still don't understand here. Like, can you try and and bridge the gap of that knowledge? But of course, when you, I was proud of that, right? Because I was the top achiever in the class that was, like, the highest score. Like, my science teacher, I remember, explicitly called out, like, um, I don't think he, like, hands te- he handed tests back in, like, a, um, you know, order of of score or anything, but I think he did make it a point to say, like, the highest score in the class was this, and then, like, um, and then handed out the, the tests, and I, I had one of the highest scores. So, um, yeah, it, like, not getting that validation, I think, is and recognition is something I think is very, very familiar to um, oldest children, um, and I think, you know, I, this, once again, this isn't necessarily confined only to oldest children. This is something that is very universal. Like a lot of people, like, I know I was like this before too, especially like professionally. Um, like I was like, I'm not going to give you positive feedback unless I feel like you've earned it when like, actually, you know, sometimes, um, you know, you want to give that sort of positive reinforcement and validation and recognition to people for them just doing their jobs because then that lets them know that, like, hey, I appreciate your effort and I see the work that you've done and put into achieving this and I would like to continue to see that, right? Like, all that positive reinforcement really helps to build a good culture at a workplace. Um, and then also, you know, similar to workplace, it also helps to build a positive, enriching, nourishing environment for your kids at home, right? Because, like, I think... Um, 
there's this whole like you know place and time of when you mention people's failures or like if you didn't like something so i think you know if i were to go back in time and really articulate to my parents and, and like try to understand where they were coming from i would say like hey i this was the highest score in the class and i'm i'm very proud of that that i was the highest score in the class and i would love to like be recognized by you for being the top score in the class um and maybe you know once once time has passed a little bit let's say like you know give it a couple days such that like that sort of glow of achievement right wears off then we can say okay let's go over your exam see where you missed those couple points see if you agree with that and and really understand what is needed and what is wanted right i think that would probably be the ideal approach um because you know if you're with validation and recognition like if if somebody's really wanting that and you know for example like i i think the whole this whole idea of timing really came from i've like read a story from somebody um where they said like i try to be honest with my friends at all times is even like when um even when not necessarily like i don't want to but it was like even when it's difficult so like the example that they gave was like they went to their friend invited them to the show that the friend was in and the 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 narrator the person who was sharing the story was like i didn't really like the show i thought it was kind of crummy but the person the friend comes up to to the person after the show and says how was it and this you know this person this performer they're fresh off of performance i know like you know growing up and and being in the performing arts at least you know I, I played violin and so like had my share of recitals and everything. What you want to hear afterwards is praise and like you were amazing. Like I enjoyed like not necessarily even like you were amazing, but like I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed the show, right? You know, you want to hear that validation and that recognition. Um, and then the narrator, the person said like, you know, I'll give it a couple days and say like, well, so what the what the person actually says was like. I enjoyed coming here to see you. And that part was true for them, right? They didn't necessarily like the show as a whole, but they did like the experience of, hey, this is something my friend is in, and this is what I want to support them in. Um, and then later, a few days later, right, they'll be like, I thought that the show could, like, I didn't really enjoy the show or whatever. And then then the person is more in a space to receive that, right? So, um yeah, that, wow, it's kind of a sidetrack, but, like, this is, like, all older siblings stuff, the, what is represented by, like, Lena, right, it's just, um, the fears of not measuring up to excellence and, like, not being good enough as well as, like, just wanting and craving that recognition and validation. Um, I think that also does sort of tie into Rhea's character, which is, you know, the, the stand-in for commentary on, like, the younger sibling experience, like, definitely want that, like, I think Rhea, Rhea's, um, the example for Rhea with that particular trait is she has a YouTube channel. She's seeking approval from a famous stunt woman. So, like, she wants to train with this stunt woman, but, like, she's, like, the whole thing throughout the movie is, like, she's emailing her, her, um, her idol, like, her, her role model throughout the whole movie of, like, this is how things are going. Um, and, you know, so that's the sort of, like, other side of like i want recognition and validation and stuff um as as portrayed through younger younger sibling um once again this is not like necessarily restricted to like these particular like 
sibling roles, but it's just sort of how, like, my experience with this has been, um, at least, like, with sibling roles and, like, how, like, I guess I've experienced them, like, how I, I sort of view it a little bit, um, so, um, that's the sort of tie-in, and then at least with, like, the unique things from Rhea, they're, like, um, with the younger sibling experience, like, the things that I noted down are, like, um, number one, like, not being believed, um, an inferiority complex sometimes, as well as, like, to tie back to, um, the older sibling fear, fear of, like, not measuring up to excellence and, like, not being good enough, um, the whole idea of, like, well, if you're not good enough and you can't achieve your dreams, then like, what does that actually mean for me as your younger sibling? So um, we'll we'll walk through these like one by one in terms of like not being believed. This is this is like a really big piece of the movie that like where the the twist is. So I'm not really gonna go too much into it, but like you just all you gotta know is like Rhea finds something like something absolutely wacky and like she's really obviously distressed about this and so she's like trying to get her family to believe her and like for lena to believe her and um she's un unsuccessful because everyone's just like you're you just want attention and i feel like that is something that i remember like maybe not remember seeing from my sister when growing up but like the whole like you want you just want attention thing and like you're being dramatic i feel like is very much a thing that i hear younger siblings sort of like mention when like they're like oh yeah like i i you know this happened to me when growing up so i think that's something that like younger sibling like or younger sibling or like youngest children will definitely like be able to uh resonate with um and then in terms of like the inferiority complex i don't know if this i mean i don't think this is something that is necessarily universal to all to all younger siblings um but like i think it, it can be right like if if your older sibling is um is someone who's just like so standout so golden and like has achieved a ton like you spend all this time living in your your older sibling's shadow um and so then you know i think that's certainly a way to develop an inferiority complex and stuff so um this is really exemplified in the movie by, like, Rhea is, like I mentioned, she's training in karate, she's, like, um, she's trying to be a stunt woman and, like, trying to do these things on her own, um, and so, and also, as I mentioned, like, the movie involves a lot of, like, martial arts and, like, fighting, a lot of, it is kind of, like, a kung fu movie, like, that is something, an element that happens in the movie, and so, um, a lot of, Rhea's fights she actually doesn't win like it's it's interesting because she is the protagonist of the movie but she actually does not win most if if like not all of her fights she she wins the climactic one where it like actually matters the most but like until and I you know you can one can say that oh that is like her journey from like um I mean you know a couple layers here right the first the, the most superficial layer could be like oh I have, you know, achieved my goal of doing this really cool stunt that I wanted to be able to do, and I've now done it. And then the other sort of more, like, a little bit deeper reading that one can, that we can, like, look at is, like, oh, this is the journey of, like, really growing and, like, growing into yourself and, like, becoming, like, self-confident and, like, the sort of, like, self-actualization thing, right? So, um, yeah, that's, it was an interesting sort of, thing that happened throughout the movie i just remember i kept thinking like when is she gonna win a fight because like 
she's not ever really like picking fights as much as she just sort of like you know she's standing up for her dreams and she she's trying to follow her dreams and 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 everything and ends up in fights and like i said she doesn't really win until it actually matters um plot wise in the movie which i thought was interesting because normally i feel like with a lot of the movies where you know where you've got fight scenes whether it be like a kung fu movie or something like the main character generally wins like that's you know they've got main character immune plot immunity armor and everything um, but it was just interesting to note that, like, every fight she's in, she loses until it really matters. So I thought that was an interesting um, sort of commentary on, like, you know, maybe a youngest sibling can be feel like they're stuck in the shadows and, like, they don't, they're not good enough. And then, you know, once you're able to break through that, then you can accomplish amazing things. So um, that's the inferiority complex note. And then in terms of that final note, com- um, which connects, you know, the older and younger sibling experience, the whole, like, if you're not good enough for your dreams, what does that mean for me? That's something that she actually explicitly says in the movie. Um, and I don't remember if it was... Um, after Lena says, like, I'm not good enough, that's why I quit art school. Um, you know, I think that's something that is maybe not a fear for everybody, but that is certainly, like, a real and, and genuine fear for especially younger siblings of, of uh, people who are, like, very high-achieving and everything. It's like, well, if I can't measure up to my older sibling and, like, how they've gone and, like, carved their way out in the world, what does that mean for me, right? I think that's a it was an interesting and really sort of heartbreaking perspective. And that's something I, you know, never really thought of either. Like, I'm sure, I mean, like, I would say that by conventional standards, I'm fairly um, successful. Like, I went to under, I graduated from undergrad. Um, I have, you know, somehow finished paying off my student loans. I have a successful job. Um, I live by myself. I'm financially independent. Um, you know, maybe one way that you can view that I'm a failure is I do not have a partner, but you know, that's neither here nor there, but like, I can't imagine like if I were to have the sort of same trajectory that I did like growing up or like, you know, for the most part, pretty successful in school. Um, and then like my sister seeing that and like, you know, all, and then somehow like something happens and like, I failed out of school or like, I can't find a job or something. I can't imagine like what maybe, like, my sister would take away from that of, like, oh, if my brother's not good enough to succeed, and I'm not, like, I don't think of myself as, like, as good as him or whatever, then, like, what does that mean for me, right? It's an interesting perspective that I had never really thought of, but it was, um, it was very, like, very poignantly displayed and and written in the movie, so, um, yeah, that's, that's all, like, the older and younger sibling dynamics, and then, Obviously, um, I really kind of wish that there was, like, a middle child dynamic, but, like, they didn't have that in this movie. Um, but the, uh, like, the other piece of, like, family dynamics that, uh, went on, um, was, like, the sometimes weirdness of being an only child. Um, and that is represented by Salim. Um, and I, like, I think the two main things here are, like, there's the normalization of sometimes very, very weird dynamics, for only kid for only children as well as like the impl- like the um the pressure of like your parents really pinning everything on you because like you're it um i can't really go too much into like everything that Salim's or, or like the sort of pieces that really 
of the movie that made me really bring this sort of conclusion together for Salim because they are very plot relevant. Um, so once again, highly recommend seeing the movie if you can. Um, but yeah, there's um, commentary on that for sure. Um, and then the last piece, which um, I, is my personal favorite, is like the beauty. Um, the, the movie really focuses on the beauty of the connections between the siblings. And I will say like... Um, I think Rhea and Lena are um, are very close. I think like their sibling relationship was captured very, very well. Um, but they're very close. I would say I'm not sure if I would say my sister and I are closer than like Rhea and Lena or like about the same level. But like their dynamic felt very familiar to me. And like I know I have a couple of uh, another friend. Um, who like has the same sort of relationship with her sister, if not even closer. Um, so like it, the the best things about it, it's sort of this movie showcases like these are the like the best and then the worst parts of like having siblings. So like um, starting with the worst, so that way we can end it on a positive note, right? Um, so the wor- the the worst part of having a sibling is like this is someone who's grown up with you who like knows all your flaws and like knows all your weak points. And so as a result, like sometimes your sibling can absolutely be your worst enemy. Um, and I think this is shown in the movie by like, um, like I said, there are fight scenes and martial arts scenes. Um, I have yet to really put together what the movie is trying to say by using martial arts as like, by using Kung Fu as this medium, because like, I think there is an element there, right? There's there's a reason why that was chosen in addition to, like, Rhea wanting to be a stunt woman. Um, there's a reason why the director chose um, for, uh, for Kung Fu to be used in the movie. But, like, there's a scene between... And I think, honestly, it's, like, the most... It's not... Yeah, it, it is violent, but it's, like, the scene with probably the most, like, collateral damage in terms of just, like, you're thinking of, like, things breaking and, like, people getting bloody and stuff. Like, it's very intense, and the only time this, like, super intense scene happens is when Rhea and Lena are fighting. It's really interesting because, like, there's at one point during the fight scene, like, their mom calls up to them, and she's just like, I don't, or, like, it shows the downstairs, because, like, I was thinking, like, maybe this is a dream sequence, or, like, it's supposed to be, like, a metaphor, right? I'm just like, I don't know if this is supposed to be real, because there's a lot of shit happening, lots of things are breaking, like, Lena smashes Rhea's head into a wall, it's crazy, it's absolutely absurd, it's bad shit. Um, but, like, there's this point, you know, during the fighting, and um, it shows, like, Rina and Leah's, uh, Rhea and Lena's parents downstairs, and they like look up at the ceiling, and then her mom, sh- their mom shouts up like, "Whatever you're doing, you better clean it up," <laughs> which I thought was really funny because like you know, like I said, I'm sitting there in the theater, and this is pre like the explicit statement of the message, and I'm just like, "Is this real? Like, is this happening, or is it just like you know, is it going to cut back to the mom and the dad, and they're sitting downstairs and then just yelling?" Um, but no, it was, it all apparently happened in, in that. So, um, yeah, it's like this, um, Lena generally had the advantage because, you know, I think it's like I said before with, with siblings, it's like somebody who knows your, your weaknesses, um, somebody who knows every detail about you, every, every one of your flaws. So, um, 
that is obviously like the tough part of a sibling relationship and then and then the beauty of sibling relationships as well is that for the most part like if you've got a, a good relationship with your sibling then you have someone who is who believes in you and someone who is like your biggest supporter um and this is really demonstrated throughout the movie by lena and ria's support of each other like ria has staunch belief in her sister that she that that Lena is going to be a successful artist. Like Lena herself is, you know, wavering throughout the movie and and honestly she does, she spends like maybe 10 minutes of the movie like doing art and the rest of it is like her being swept up in like dating Salim and like the marriage and everything um and the wedding. Um but Ria is like no, you're going to be this artist, you're going to be an incredible artist and this has been your dream and whatever. Um and she's like really set on this image of her sister um as you know the triumphant person and like achieving her dreams and stuff um and in, also in a complimentary manner uh lena fully believes in ria too like she she fully supports ria's youtube channel with like showing off her stunts she fully supports ria whenever she's talking to her um her role model um and like you never see that support um go away i think you know there's after the fight between the two sisters in the movie like there is one part where like lena sort of is just like i don't know like you've hurt me a lot and i don't you know really you know the there's the relationship is strained but i don't think that really impacts like lena's unwavering support for her sister either and so like I thought that was just like a really heartwarming um note throughout the movie of just like yeah they they support each other they really love each other um and and this is just sort of like the power of sibling connection so um so that that's sort of like all the analysis part of it like I really really loved the movie it was so fun um very goofy and just like um I guess you know the sort of diversity point because um, I mentioned that like kind of it, in a humorous way because like that's not something my sure like sure my rule for movies is like I if I see a movie like it has to be predominantly led by a person like has to be led by a person of color um, and like have people of color in main roles and not just like side roles like this movie is probably like one of the first movies that I've seen um that is predominantly if not like completely like populated by brown people um the main you know like like i mentioned before lena and ria are british pakistani um and and so as a result like all of their life and like all the people that are involved in their lives that like play important roles are like of the British Pakistani community, like they go to an Eid celebration, like it's, you know, you're getting sort of dipped into that world of, um, you're immersed in in this world and like the cultural underpinnings of being British Pakistani, um, and really, there's only one white character that shows up, and she's like one, she's one of Ria's friends, and she's more there for like comic relief. Um, like, Rhea's other friend is a black girl named Clara, played by Serafina Bay, and, yeah, like, there's really no other white people in the movie. It's great. 
if you're looking for movies that are not white, like I feel like this is a great movie for this year just because it's like really fun and maybe you can use this episode as a sort of like guide for the movie and it'll help you like understand um what's being said cuz like like what happened with everything everywhere all at once like I saw this movie and um there was a white family sitting next to me and I mean there's nothing wrong with white people going to see this movie um but, like, the dad was giggling the whole time, which is fine, because, like, it was a, a funny movie with some funny beats, but, like, I don't know if any of those people put together the message that was happening in the movie. Like, I don't, like, not to say that you have to, like, be critically thinking at all times when you're going to see a movie, but, like, with everything everywhere, right, um, a lot of people who missed the point of the movie were, be- like, we're white people and, like, people who are just, like, not thinking about what the movie could mean and they're just sort of, like, taking it in at face value. And I will say, if you're going to watch everything everywhere and you do not turn your brain on, like, it is a wacky-ass movie. Like, somebody get like, Jamie Lee Curtis gets something stapled to her forehead. Like, it's a crazy, wacky movie. But, like... I don't know, like, I, this is, for me personally, like, I, I can't see, like, can't, can't take in media without just, like, really, really thinking about, like, what is the creator's intent here? Like, what is the story that they're trying to share? What is the message, the feeling, right, that they're trying to share? Because at the heart of it, all stories, whether they be, like, written or films or TV series, like, it's to talk about and, like, share ideas and really, really share, um experiences through other characters and so um yeah sorry that's like my little soapbox um (laughs) i advocate thinking while you're watching movies um and not just like being there for uh visual effects and flashing lights and pretty colors because if you want to do if you want to take that in you can just go watch like coco melon or something so anyways um that's polite society like i said uh really really loved this movie highly highly recommend watching it if you can um obviously it doesn't have to be in theaters because we are still in a global pandemic um granted you know at least if you're in a place that has good vaccination coverage and everything like i know new york city i think the positivity rate, at least the floor, is, like, 2% right now, which is pretty good, but obviously, like, you know, people, like, it's, it's up to you whether you, or not you want to take a at least 2% risk of getting COVID when you're out in the theater or something, so um, that's Polite Society. Really loved it. Highly recommend seeing it if you can. Um, I'm going to take another quick break, and then we'll be back with the end of the show. All right, and we are back from the break. So this last part of the show I like to call What is Your Nonsense? Um, This is where you talk about something that you're really into that either brings you joy or it seems like nobody else is into that much. Um, So a couple things for me. Um, I am really enjoying my time playing Tears of the Kingdom. It's been really fun, and um, this is the first time I've ever played a game like this, like a single-player game like this, where I'm, like, hanging out with friends and we're, like, actively talking about stuff while we play the game. Um, So that has been really fun. Um, If that is an experience that you have not had yet, I would highly recommend. It's, it's, like, very informational. You you can, like, share knowledge, like, in real time, so that's fun. Um... And I guess the other thing that, um, other nonsense is, um, the comic book, um, publisher that I was talking about earlier, TKO, uh, managed, uh, or I think founded by Tsi Chun, um, and 
he's got it like it's an indie comic book publisher and so there are lots of really cool interesting one shots that are on the store for you to check out um so that is tko comics so thank you so much for listening if you liked what you heard you can find me on uh, apple podcasts and spotify wherever you find your podcast rate review subscribe all that would do a lot to help me um get more traction here um and this is a completely independent venture so if you'd like to support me you can find me over at patreon.com slash nonsense and noise pod um there are a couple tiers for support there's tier one which gets you a shout out on the show tier two gets you access to bonus content i keep saying we're going to do bonus content and i promise it will eventually someday um so that's tier two and then tier three is uh gets you the ability to pitch ideas to me for me to talk about Previous examples of pitch topics include Avatar The Last Airbender as well as the genre of boys love. So um, that's the Patreon. Once again, patreon.com slash nonsense and noise pod. Um, if you want more of me, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram, all at the same handle, Kato not Kato, K-A-H-T-O-N-O-T-K-A-Y-T-O. Um, and I am most active on Twitter of the three. So Once again, thanks for listening. Hope you guys have a good one. Bye!